you have a Bible with you, and I hope you do, if you'd open it to Romans chapter 8. You're reading verses 1 through 4. If you don't, you could just listen. Paul has spent two chapters, Romans 6 and 7, talking about the interplay between grace and law and um, our inability to meet the law in our own regard, in our own strength. And then we come to the mountaintop of Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. This is the Word of God. Um, Let me ask you guys, how many of you would generally agree it's good to have laws? It's good to have rules. It's good to have standards. Show of hands. How many think that's a good idea? Good. Excellent. I'm glad to hear that. What would society be like without laws? There are movies about that. They're horror movies. What would your home be like without rules and laws? It's not pretty. It's not good. You can try gentle parenting. You can try to understand why your kids are disobeying their emotional state. But at some point, just put on your flipping shoes. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to do that. There has to be some law. God agrees. Good laws, good rules, good standards are definitely not bad. They are good and they are needed. But human beings have a little problem. We're not very good at keeping the law. Not very good at keeping law. You tell a high school student to read 100 pages of uh, To Kill a Mockingbird in a week, and what is the first thing they don't want to do? Yeah, they, they don't. They're looking for cliff notes. You tell people they can't bring candy into a movie theater, what do they immediately want to do? It's just unjust. I may or may not struggle with that personally. It's just a hypothetical situation. Tell any human being they must love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, and their neighbor as themselves, and we're like, no, thank you. I'm in charge of my own life. I like that last little bit about loving myself. That's fine. But I'm not really interested in doing what you tell me to do. And I think that's especially true. It's it's true of all humanity. But in our country, I mean, we have so much choice. We have so much freedom that we don't like to be told what to do. Good law, God's law, is not something sinners like you and me are good at keeping. And yet there are standards. God has a righteous requirement. And that can be crushing. Not only can we not do it, not only just every day are we breaking laws, it's crushing to tell you you must and your hope is in keeping the law. Here's the big idea. 
The law cannot bring you to God. The law cannot bring you to God. Telling yourself to be better, to work harder, to get it together, it can't save you. Um, telling someone, yeah, I, I think we tell ourselves that a lot. Would you just be better? Would you just get it together? Would you just try harder? Sometimes we tell other people that. You just need to obey God. You just need to stop. Telling someone you just need to stop, you just need to obey God, is like shouting at a person to stand up when an elephant is sitting on their face. It's not going to happen. They can't. Ever. Yell as loud as you want. It's not going to work. And some of you feel like an elephant is sitting on your face all the time. You feel overwhelmed by what you must do but cannot. You hear the voice of accusation. You're such a disappointment. You're just like your father. You're just like your mother. You're not a good parent. Why can't you be a better parent? Why do you get so angry? Why are you always anxious? There's nothing to be anxious about. God says don't be anxious. Why are you always anxious? Why are you so mean? Can't you just say something nice? Why do you have to say things like that? These are the voices. This is what we hear. Inside. And we try. We try to smack ourselves around and improve. White knuckle it. But we're asking the law to do what it cannot do. When you speak to yourself like that, that's law. You must do this. Get it together. What's wrong with you? That's law. You're asking it to change your heart and it can't. Putting law into a human heart And expecting goodness to come out is like putting fruit into your lawnmower and expecting a smoothie to come out the tailpipe. It's not going to happen. You put law into a human heart, don't expect goodness to come out any more than you'd expect a smoothie out of your lawnmower. God knows this, and in His kindness, He has sent His grace in the person of Jesus Christ. As St. Augustine said, law was given that grace might be sought. Think about that. Law was given that grace might be sought. In His grace, Jesus Christ lifts the elephant for you. You want to know how to get out from under it? The grace of Jesus Christ. The grace of God. He does what you cannot do. He takes the punishment for the failures that you deserve. And guess what? When someone sacrifices for you deeply, when they do something so kind, so loving, so generous, so undeserved, if you let it, it will change your heart. It will soften you. You know this because when people do something very kind, very generous to you, the way you view them changes. The way you look at them changes. You may not have really liked them, and yet they lay down their life for you, and wow, that was amazing. If you let it, your heart will thaw. It will soften. It will become tender toward God and others. Years ago, I came across a fascinating exchange between Robert Downey Jr. and Mel Gibson, Iron Man and Braveheart, two manly men. Uh, You can find this on YouTube. But what happened was um, Downey, in his younger years, he was abusing drugs and alcohol. He got caught. He was in trouble with the law. 
And uh, upon his failure, he was punished, not only by the law, but by the Hollywood community. Nobody would hire him. He, did, he couldn't get a job. That's hard to believe now, um, knowing how famous he is. But what he received was condemnation for his sins. You failed and you will be punished. And one person showed him grace, Mel Gibson. Knowing all the failures, knowing everything that had happened, he cast Robert Downey Jr. in a movie as the lead that was originally written for him to play the lead part so that he could put food on the table, so that he could have a roof over his head. Essentially, yes, you failed, you're a mess, but I'm going to show you kindness. And he told him, if you hug the cactus long enough, if you own what you've done, if you repent, essentially, this was the phrase that he used, it's a good one, hug the cactus, you can become a man of humility. Your life will take on new meaning. And according to Downey, it worked. It softened him. He wanted to change. He wanted to be different because of this act of grace by this friend. And he told him, one day you may need to do this for someone else. He didn't realize that that would be him. So years later, Mel Gibson's in trouble. This is years ago now, but he said some things on camera that were not very nice, not very good. He's in trouble with the law. No one will hire him. And so Robert Downey Jr. goes before uh, all the Hollywood stars at an awards show, and he says, if any of you are without sin, and I know that you're not, we need to forgive this man his trespasses. It's literally what he said. The grace that he had been shown affected him so that now he was gracious and forgiving towards someone else who had sinned, who deserved, in a sense, condemnation and was getting it from most people. And then these two rich, powerful, manly men hugged each other and cried in front of everybody. Why? Because of grace. Not because of law. Not because they told each other, get it together, what's wrong with you? They showed kindness in a moment that deserved condemnation. Can you see yourself? Can you see yourself? If you can't, you're very proud. I hope that you can. Before God's standards, we have all failed. There's no hope. Morally bankrupt, deserving condemnation, deserving hell. Deserving hell. Who will show us grace? It's very nice when someone around you, your family, friend, shows you grace, but they don't always, do they? God never fails to show grace. God never fails. It is in His nature. It is who He is. You see it here in Romans 8. Apostle Paul is saying, God has done for you what you could never do for yourself. In his life as a human being, Jesus Christ fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law. Therefore, therefore, when you trust in Christ, you are released from the death sentence. You are released from your guilt. 
The second half of Augustine's phrase is grace is given that we might fulfill the law. So the law is given that we might seek grace, and grace is given that we might fulfill the law. Now you can obey. Now you can do those good things you know you ought to do by the power of the Spirit and the grace of God. I just, I, I hope that touches your heart. I want it to touch your heart. We're not just going through the motions here. This is real. God really did this. Jesus Christ really did this for you. And you will only become a truly loving person when you realize you have been truly loved by Christ. So I know some come tonight because it's tradition. I know uh, it's maybe just what you do. Maybe you got dragged here by those depressing relatives. I honestly don't care. I'm just glad that you're here. Because I want to ask you seriously, where is your heart with God? Where is your heart with God? How many of you have a hard heart tonight? Cold, angry, tired. You feel the emptiness. I know you do. And you don't like it, but you don't know how to make it go away. And if it means dying to your selfishness, that doesn't sound real good to you. You might not tell anyone. You might hold it together on the outside. But inside, you feel kind of dead. Pretty empty. Jesus knows that. This is why he came into the world. To take that emptiness on himself, on the cross, so you could be filled with joy, peace, and hope. It's just a question of you, if you will hug the cactus, own your sins, repent, and receive what he offers. Will you receive it? It's a very serious question. His life for your life. His obedience for your disobedience. Your shame, he takes it. Gives you back grace upon grace upon grace. More than you ever imagined. A future better than you ever imagined. And it can start right now. So, I know uh, we, we, we don't want to talk too authentically. We don't want to talk too real. We want to enjoy the night, be with family. But I would just say, if you're sensing God coming after you right now, don't ignore that. Talk to someone. Talk to someone you trust. Talk to me. Talk to anyone here. Because maybe, maybe God's coming after you. Don't ignore him. There is now, therefore, no condemnation. No accusation that can stick for those in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are just in awe of your sacrifice for sinners like us. But we're busy, we're moving, we're doing things, we're, we're 
Our lives are filled, and yet you know in the quiet moments when we lay our head down on the pillow what our thoughts are. You know the accusing voices. You know the disappointments. You know the emptiness, the brokenness, the hurt, the pain, the sadness, the depression. You came to do something about it. So soften our hearts to receive it, that we would give up. Wave the white flag. Stop trying to hmm, lift the elephant, Lord, on our own. Pray that tonight. And as we receive this song of grace, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would be working. In Jesus' name.